This is Glenn Murphy with NC Systema, and this is Systema for Life. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Nice to be here. <laughs> Grant, uh, your own house, in your exactly. own basement. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Taking this one on location. Brill. So uh, can you uh, tell folks a little bit about, um, about yourself? So you've got quite a, a varied background, both geographically and in terms of kind of martial um, martial traditions. Um, so you've you had places where you trained and taught in Colorado, in San Diego, kind of all over the shop. Where and when did you get started with martial arts? Was it when you were a lot younger or was it something you picked up later in life? Yeah, so I, I grew up as a little bit of an American nomad, traveling the country and living in lots of different places. Um, my first experience of martial arts was uh, in uh, Texas. I was going to the Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas, and um, we needed a physical education credit for college. Mm. And one of the courses they offered was a martial arts class that was half karate and half Aikido. Mm. And a friend of mine from high school uh, that I knew pretty well was teaching the Aikido part. So I thought that sounded like fun. Mm. So I took that and, and checked it out and had a good time. Cool. And then from there, you started training Aikido like formally after that and kept going with it? Or was there kind of a gap where you were doing other things? Yeah, actually, I was really into rock climbing at the time. Mm. And uh, it actually prompted me to switch schools. So from Texas, I went up to Colorado, to the University of Colorado in Boulder. Mostly so you could go bouldering. Almost. Mostly, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I guess a little bit for the education, but uh, yeah. mostly because the, the mountains were awesome. Yeah. And um, so, uh, you know, the climbing in Boulder is wonderful, but um, when winter comes around, it's, mm. there's not a lot to do. <laughs> right. So I was looking for something on the off-season to kind of fill my time, and I remembered... Uh, Enjoying the Aikido part of the martial arts class. Hmm. So I thought, you know, maybe I'll, I'll check that out. So uh, I got a friend of mine from school, and the uh, two of us signed up for a beginner's class at Boulder Aikikai. Hmm. Um, and it was really lucky for me because I really just picked out a name from the phone book hmm. and went and checked out the school. But it turns out that uh, Aikido Sensei was attracting people from all over the country. Yeah. So hmm. people would move to Boulder just to study under him. So yeah. It was uh, full of uh, very high ranked. Uh, senior people with a lot of uh, different uh, backgrounds from different uh, parts of the country that had kind of assembled together to train there. So Ikeda Sensei was the regular instructor there, or he was, he was like the, the the kind of parent instructor and he would kind of come in and do seminars and things? Well. No, it was his school. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, big deal. So, so and how long did you continue with Ikeda? Oh, up to present day, I guess. So that was a. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that would have been in 93, I think. That okay. I started a Boulder Aikikai. Yeah, and um, you know, the beginning is a is someone new to uh, Aikido um, in, in a more structured format, like they had there. Uh, you know, I had two left feet and was terrified of rolling and hmm. and, and really confused by what was going on. But um, after a couple of months, I really just dove into it, and by the maybe. February, I was probably training seventeen classes a week. Wow! Yeah. yeah. So what, what do you think drew you to that? Because, I mean, it's, obviously it's something a bit more than like me. This is something to do on the climbing off-season. There must have been something that drove that level of interest. I mean, I know you're, you're fairly compulsive as a personality anyway. You're kind of going to do something. You go all in on it pretty much. Uh, that's kind of part of your personality. But but what do you think it was about Aikido that, um, that made you want to keep going like that? Mm. Well, you know, my personality has always been driven by problem solving. So mm. it's just something I enjoy um, and uh, – 
Rock climbing for me, I think a lot of enjoyment w- was just the challenge of it. So you've got mm. this piece of rock that nature formed over millions of years and you go out there and, and you, you know, you have to solve a problem, not just with your body, but also with your mind. Like there's a strategy to it, figuring out a route or, you know, managing equipment on longer climbs. Mm. So the problem solving part um, with a mental and physical combination was very interesting. Mm. And what and a health, healthy dose of fear in there as well. Actually. Exactly. Yeah, it's like adrenaline to take yeah. care of my uh, serotonin. <laughs> um, but um, so what I found in martial arts was there was that combination of physical and, and mental problem solving. Um, but it also had an added element that it was dynamic and you were working with another human being who mm. changed things. So where a rock would be static and you could go back years after year mm. and, 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 and try it and, um, you know, had a, have a consistent kind of experience or a consistent challenge anyway. Yeah. A, a human being was different every single time. And mm. so that was really appealing and kind of added a whole nother layer of problem solving, um, that, uh, that it really drew me in. Did, did you find yourself transferring skills from one to the other at any point? Maybe you, as you continue to do martial arts and rock climbing, did you find yourself moving in a different way on the on the cliff face because you were doing martial arts, or did it not really transfer that readily between those two disciplines? No, there was um, certainly overlap, um, and I've found that most of the things that I've done physically have some overlap, but um, hmm. rock climbing, martial arts, certainly there's the aspect of dealing with the stress of the situation. Yeah. So, um, so that's very helpful. And yeah, also just find motor skills while you're under stress. Kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Find yeah. motor skills and, yeah. um, also just finding like efficiency in the way that you use your body, because obviously rock climbing, you know, you might be hanging oh, like an auto overhang for a very long time yeah. with gravity fighting you the whole time. And with, uh, you know, a good challenging session of training, you know, finding efficiency to, to be able to, to function against larger people. Yeah, um, stronger people, you know, to, to train for long sessions um, vigorously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I guess there's a, a lot of kind of sequences of muscle activation and kind of you know neurological control. Also, you learn in rock climbing that that completely eluded me when the times when I did it. And I, I learned to rock climb a bit with a friend of mine called Neil Lofting, who I was you know used to work with. Uh, a store when I was like 16, something like that. And I was still at school and he went on a, a week long rock climbing trip in Wales and then came back full of, you know, all the drive about it. And he bought all the gear, you know, all the, and the harnesses and things. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to rock climb. We'll go and do it. And we'll do quarries all around Kent, these big like chalk quarries and yeah. bits of chalk. will just fall away while you're climbing them and stuff. And I was like, all right. And we went climbing and um, he kind of taught me the outlines of it and all that kind of stuff. And he was really into it. But I, I, I realized very, very quickly that I was using way too much muscle in my arms. I was like, I was trying to cling to the wall with my arms and he seemed to have this ability like a gibbon mm-hmm. to just kind of hang on his tendons yeah. and, or just use his feet a lot more. He just, his arms were just a, a way of transitioning his feet to new places so that he could just stand. And he was very flat to the wall a lot of the time as well. He could kind of hang out that way. And then he could also like hang back and it, he just didn't seem to tire that way. And he hadn't been climbing that long. So it wasn't that he'd build up this amazing climbing body or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He just had this technique of just not using as much effort and it completely eluded me. And I've just exhausted by halfway up the quarry half the time as it, I would I wouldn't be afraid of going any higher or just run out of juice you know that my arms would just be shaking and they'll be like oh I'm done and you'd have to belay me and lower me back down again a lot of time and it improved a little bit but it occurs to me now in the years since training Sistema that that's that's a lot about finding 
uh, isolated tension, like what you need, yeah. you know, keeping it in your fingers without putting it in your shoulders and mm. all of that kind of stuff. And there seems to be, a, there might be a lot of parallels that I, I couldn't appreciate at the time. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Um, the ability to just let your bones and ligaments conduct your weight in rock yeah. climbing. Mm. And as you said, allowing your uh, more powerful leg muscles to, uh, to, to bear the load rather than doing everything with your hands and arms mm. is a huge part of it. So being able to relax into difficult situations and, and find the rest in something that's hard mm. um, definitely tra transfers between the two. And, and just the feel of the way that you would use your arms and climb in with that um, selective relaxation or selective tension uh, yeah. carries over. And um, there's some non-obvious things in rock climbing, like the way that you would move up with keeping an arm extended and relaxed by engaging core uh, muscles and rotating your torso. Hmm. So there's some more advanced uh, and subtle uh, body movements that uh, have some parallels between the arts too. Hmm. Cool. So you have that uh, uh, traditional martial art idea of uh, like center or core uh, generated power yeah. that you can use not only for extension but also for um, contraction. Yeah, it seems like there's a big... Um you know, there's a, a massive kind of drive for natural movement and everybody's getting into it now in different kind of ways. There's like, you know, move nat and primal movement and primal this and paleo dude and whatever it is that's coming. It's, it's, it seems like over the last five years, everybody and his dog wants to start up some sort of natural movement type thing. And it seems like one of the common denominators in that is to spending time hanging, climbing and swinging, you know, getting mm -hmm. back to your kind of primate roots in, in a big way. Um, and that's, I think that's something that I neglected for a long time. And it's not something we do a lot in Sistema either. We do a lot of push-ups we do a lot of squats we do a lot of movement of the core and ground movement so we we do condition our bodies in ways that most people don't and we get that freedom of movement but i think um that spending that time hanging it's it's important for the shoulders it's important for to to relax the core of the body it teaches something a little bit different right? there's a little another set of skills in there that maybe we're missing if we don't do some even you know maybe you don't have to climb all the time do rock climbing but if you don't swing from a tree once in a while or you know what i mean just yeah. check that you still can like a kid and um, it really goes away it's very perishable you know, I know a lot of people who, as adults, can't even hang from a tree for like more than five seconds. They just can't. They haven't got the strength to do it, or the you know, the grip strength, or they're just trying to tense everything. It's just not really working. And um, I started working on it a few years ago and realized that again, it's like it's, it's about isolated tension and just figuring out where you need it. Right? Mm. So, I think mm. that um, one of the things that rock climbing brings is uh, like the tremendous fear of falling. Mm. So, you know. You will solve the problem of relaxation because you don't want to fall. Like there's uh, the it, it's very challenging um, mm. to, to 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 stay um, energized through some long climbs and, and have mm. the power to complete it. And that fear of falling forces you into finding the efficiencies that you need to get through it. Sure. Yeah. And it. Uh, it also pushes you to kind of your physical limits in a way that sometimes we don't do in martial arts. And mm. that's one of the reasons that I like to often put uh, vigorous conditioning before training is because yeah. solving the problems while you're exhausted um, mm. can give you much more insight into uh, better ways to use your body than, you know, coming in fresh and, and feeling strong. So. Yeah, Michael, um, in one of his seminars that I went to, said that uh, 
you know, before you start training, you should do 200 of every basic exercise, you know, 200 mm-hmm. push-ups, 200 squats, 200 leg raises, body raises. And, and then he goes, then you might be ready to work. You know, so yeah. like, he might be, you know, that kind of that way. I thought that was kind of interesting, but mm-hmm. probably wouldn't keep many students if we just did that every single time. Right? <laughs> we talked to them enough with our, with our workouts in the, in the beginning as well. So it seems, so you're pretty famous with, within an NC system of teaching here for, for doing the grueling workouts or pushing people and, to the- And the to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so countrywide, that's good. So was that, is that something you've been into for a long time is that something you developed to support your rock climbing or your martial arts um in the first instance or was kind of just all over kind of body conditioning something that developed in parallel for you or something you have a parallel interest in um i never really worked out for strength um specifically uh so to train him for climbing i would just climb okay and then as i uh, began martial arts um you know we would just train there was an invitation-only advanced class um, that you had to kind of get invited into hmm. at Boulder and Kikai back in the day, and that started off with some conditioning. Hmm. So, uh, you know, pulling yourself across the mat, various kinds of crawls, uh, a lot of rolls and things. But, um, but I think, um, you know, after I left Boulder, I, I trained to prepare myself uh, to go into a boot camp. Hmm. And so I was doing in the military. Yeah. Which, which branch were you in? Well, I was going into the Marine Corps. Yeah. And I was going to apply for uh, special forces there. Yeah. So before I went in, I, I found this Navy SEAL uh, training program hmm. that kind of over the course of sixteen weeks built up to doing something like four hundred push-ups, hmm. uh, five hundred like crunches, uh, hmm. sixty pull-ups, I think three hundred dips uh, with running and swimming and everything like that. So, right. <laughs> So I went through that and, and kind of got just into the habit of doing some exercise. Mm. And then coming out of there, um, I, I kept up the habit for a while. You know, I'd come and go, you know, depending on what was going on in my life. But yeah. but I've basically maintained at least like a, a, a maintenance level of, yeah. of workout since then. So um, as I started teaching uh, system classes, I would kind of take the opportunity to to get my physical training in uh, with the hospital while I was teaching, kind of kill two birds with one stone. Uh But also um, because I'd experienced sometimes at seminars, um, there would be a pre-seminar class, Mm. like uh, Sergey might teach one out in California before Vlad and uh, do a lot of different kinds of push-ups and crawls and and, and things. So I I brought a lot of different exercises home from a lot of different places and made some up of my own and, Mm. And I really found that um, after a while you would see students and you'd see them come in f- from their day and you could tell that they had a restless energy yeah. and that training would be unproductive for them in that state. Yeah. And so I would uh, modify the conditioning to, until everybody was tired. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I would do 15 minutes. We would try to do a drill. I'd see that people still had the energy yeah. and we'd do another 15 minutes. Right. And sometimes yeah. we do like an hour before people were True. really truly ready to, to um, work in a productive way. Yeah. And so that, that kind of became a habit of mine. Um, just uh, giving people the opportunity uh, to kind of get tired. And there was two other benefits that I really found in teaching these um, challenging conditioning sessions. And one is that it would bring groups together so mm-hmm. in a way, it's a, like a shared suffering yeah, yeah. And, and they would complain about it, but with like a smile on their face and, sure. yeah. and kind of a little pride. Yeah. Um, 
And the other thing that I found, which I think still helps with Sistema a lot, is um, the idea that combat is beyond just a physical thing, but it's also um, a psychological problem to solve. Mm. And for a lot of people, not giving up is maybe the most important thing that they need to get out of coming into something like Sistema. Yeah. Because it's not always the person, or it's actually often not the person who's... Uh, the strongest or the fastest or even has the most skill that will come out of a confrontation on top yeah. is the person that just doesn't give up. Sure. So, yeah. Um, but it's hard to train people and give them that experience um, of uh, of really needing to find... Like dig deep and dig, fight through. Kind of dig deep and fight through. Yeah. Um, and these really challenging exercise sessions... Um, simulate that in a way right? yeah because you just hate it and mm. i would always pick exercises that i hated yeah and, <laughs> and uh and and you know you would even psychologically maybe toy with students a little sometimes yeah. mm. you know uh, you know if you've done system you've experienced the russian method of counting sure. while yeah. doing holds um, i might be renowned for that as well the longest seconds yeah. in the world <laughs> it's a popular thing that people have kind of picked up on um and and shared with their students but yeah. uh, but um but yeah it's giving them just the opportunity to to look at themselves and and look at like what failure feels like and the opportunity to try to push through that you know constantine has said in the past that endurance is all in the mind yeah um and my aikido teachers said a very similar thing too and um i think just you know to survive something difficult and look back on it and say oh yeah we did do 200 push-ups yesterday you yeah. Know? And, yeah and i was able to do that and 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 so i, I can get through these difficult things and and i can get through the point where i feel like giving up and i can continue on and yeah. especially to um you know breathing there's a lot of depth to breathing, but certain aspects of it, and important and subtle ones, you really can't learn without being under intense pressure. Sure. And yeah. exercise can provide that pressure for people. Yeah, I mean, you don't need burst breathing until, right? You, you can't learn burst breathing if you never really need it. You exactly. know, it becomes like the superfluous thing that you're doing. And, you know, and sometimes people use it like that, right? They, they kind of go through the motions and they make it like the shape of burst breathing, but it's not really doing what it's supposed to be doing right it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a recovery emergency type breathing right that brings you back to be able to take full breaths eventually and um yeah people if they don't have to use it they're not motivated to learn how to do it properly i think sometimes mm -hmm. yeah i remember on one of the um on one of the immersion camps i think it's maybe like 2008 something like that constantine was leading a session uh, in the morning and uh it was on like day three something like that and we've done rolling around for days on end and like there's a lot of kind of that physical endurance and sticking to it and not giving up in those in those you know multi-day camps um but there was one uh, one morning we just went and, he, and to start the session he said okay inhale and everyone inhaled and he said exhale and like okay and he goes now do 15 push-ups right just straight out the gate it's like do 15 and i've done kind of yeah. ladders before that where you do like oh, let's do one let's do two and you work your way up to 15 or 20 and then by the end of that you're like yeah 20 is like my limit yeah. um, but it's very difficult to come in straight out the gate sometimes i thought to do that but he was like don't allow yourself the possibility of failure just inhale exhale do 20 uh, do 15 push-ups and then that's it right um, so we did that and then he goes okay recover first breathing first breathing everybody recover good okay inhale exhale now do 20 and then immediately did that and then had to recover and then finally do 25, right? So he came in straight out the gate with 15, 20, 25. 
And um, and I thought, I remember thinking, I'm not going to make it to 25, like on the push-ups. And I did. I just found this kind of like second wind, third wind and, and found my way through, right? Without breathing, you just kind of get more efficient with your movement and your body finds a way, right? It, it yeah. realizes that it, it, it's like you said with the rock climbing, it's like if you have the, if the possibility of failing is not there and you don't allow it to yourself, then your body finds a different way of working, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to get to that state first. And I remember doing the squats and thinking, wow, that was even harder. And then the leg raises, you know, with a 50, 25 leg raises that way. Yeah, go, I'm like, I just can't do it. And I just remember just burning and just thinking, I'm not going to make this. And everything in my mind was like, you're not going to make it, you're not going to make it. But I didn't allow myself the possibility of stopping. And I did it. And at the end of it, I just felt this euphoric state, I mean, probably also a bit of oxygen deprivation. <laughs> but this state of just like, yeah, I can go way further than I thought I could. You know, all those voices are liars. You know, all these little voices in your head that say, you probably can't do this. They're liars right? and they lie on different levels. And, and it gave you this state, not only this kind of calm, kind of alert state afterwards, um, but also kind of the state like, all right, what else are you going to give me? I was ready to do more. I was ready to do something else. I wasn't exhausted like I'd completely depleted my resources. And then I was relaxed enough to work. It was a different kind of challenge. It was, I'd flexed my nervous system to the point where it felt like it was going to break and it snapped back again. Yeah. And it showed me that I was stronger on the inside than I thought I was. And that stuck with me for a lot of years, um, like mm -hmm. afterwards. And, and, and I think there's, there's definitely a lot of value to the kind of just wear out your muscles type of training um, to see where you're going to get and see if you can push through on that. But I think the breath hold stuff is really interesting too, yeah. because it can get you there very, very quickly. You know, like, yeah. like that way you have to wait to exhaust everybody. Sometimes you get really fit people in the room, you know, mm -hmm. people like Jen, people like that, right. Who are just like crossfit beasts who could tear things up. Um, and sometimes it takes a long time to tie those people out, depending on what you're doing. And, um, and if you've got a mixed level in a room, it's, it's kind of hard because some people are super exhausted and some people aren't even there yet. Um, but I find the breath hold thing is a great level as well <laughs> just yeah. get people they all start to panic immediately so they just kind of have to fight through on that so a bounce of those two things i think i find really works well with mm -hmm. the condition stuff yeah the breath holding for sure and you know i think that um those that kind of work is one of the things that is a barrier for some people coming into systema yeah um but it's also one of the most valuable things about it because you know i, I think everybody has something that they can gain from Systema, but maybe not everybody's in a point in their life where they're willing to go through all the things that the process will pull out of you to, yeah. to, to gain it. And so, um, but it, it's a wonderful thing to see people come in with fears or, or various challenges or, or, or um, experiences in their past that they kind of need to work through yeah. and, and to see the things that come out of it. So. Yeah. You know, you, you see people cry, you know, you see yeah. fear on the mat and it's not always a fun process. In, in fact, if you're doing really good training, it's often not a fun process, mm. but that's where the value is. You yeah. Know? I mean, anybody can teach a class where you come in and, you know, you, you get some physical exercise, maybe you learn a few techniques and you walk out the door and you're like, oh, you know, I feel good about myself. That was yeah. fun. I, I had a good time. Mm. Um, but it's such a superficial thing um, versus you know, finding the limits of your body or your motivation or the limits of, of your breath holds and, and mm. the things that it brings out of your psyche. Yeah. And, um, and without that, it's just really hard to develop the internal state that it would allow you to use all the techniques that you learn. Yeah. In, in Sistema or yeah. any other art or 
Yeah, it frustrates me sometimes if you if you see students who are consistently, you know, skipping the warm up for the one of a bit of it. You know, like right. if you they're like, oh, I'll roll in like 10, 20 minutes late and then I don't have to do the push up and the yeah. slow things like and, and I see those students just stagnate because they're not doing that boring but necessary work or the difficult but necessary work, right? And, it's, and you can just see it over time, right? It's, it's you can't get away with that. It's a it's not a warm up, it's that is the work. Exactly. Right? That is the it work. Is yeah. The work. Yeah. 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 I've I've tried to convey that to people before. Uh, hmm. like this is the thing. Right, you gain yeah. everything from you know yeah. the part that we do after the throwing around and the punching and everything. That's yeah, it's, it's the frosting. It is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. So, so how and when did you come to Sistema? So you've mentioned that you trained with Sergey when you were in California. Did you start training Sistema in Colorado? Were you still there training Aikido? Was that after you moved again, or what was your first experience and what kind of pulled you into it? Yeah, so the first time I'd ever heard of Sistema uh, was back when I was in Colorado. Um, Stan Prannon started this series of uh, seminars called the Aiki Expo. Yeah. And in the beginning, they were in Las Vegas. And Akita Sensei, he, you know, he would travel around the country teaching seminars. And so he went to the expo. And some of our students went along with them and came back. And I was talking to one of my friends. And he was a, a former Army Ranger and, you know, tough guy and everything. And he was telling me about the, the various things that were going on at the expo. And he was like, and he, he was telling me, dude, there's these Russian guys and they were doing this thing called Sistema. And it was crazy. They would just stand there and they would punch each other, bare knuckle, full force, no pads. And they would just take it. He's like, they'd like move their organs around or something. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what they were doing, but it was crazy. And I was yeah. like, wow, that sounds bizarre. And, and, mm. Why would anybody want to do that? Mm. Like, it's just insane. So that was the first time I'd heard of Sistema. Okay. And um, so uh, I guess a number of years probably went by before um, I got my way to San Diego and opened up my Aikido school there. Yeah. And then uh, – so that would have been in 2003 that I started GI Aikido. And then in 2005, there was an Aiki Expo up in uh, – Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and Akita Sensei was teaching there again, so I was like, well, I'll have to go up and see my teacher. So I went up there, and at the Aiki Expo, they have, uh, at least that year, they had five different large mats, and you'd find Aikido on a couple mats, I think um, there was Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on one of the mats, mm. and uh, uh, Mikhail and Vladimir were teaching on one of the mats, Yeah, and so uh, all these different things going on at the same time. And you can kind of, you know, figure out your schedule over a couple of days, which classes you wanted to hit. So I was like, I would see people over there doing the Aikido and I was like, you know, it looks kind of interesting. You know, I'd like to go check it out. So I went over and I, I tried a class and it was so fascinating. Like the first time I really saw Vlad working, he was doing just work against an attacker with a knife. Hmm. And it looked to me like something that, like Jackie Chan or, or Jet Li had choreographed over three, three months, <laughs> right. you know, and that they put together and did maybe 30 takes, um, you know, on the camera to kind sure. of assemble this just perfect thing for the perfect time, yeah. um, work that Vladimir was doing with his students. And I was like, I just, I, I was sure that it was like a pre-rehearsed thing yeah, just because of how perfect it looked. Sure. Uh, up until he invited uh, Kayla Fetter, who's one of the kind of high-ranked um, uh, Aikido instructors out on the West Coast, to uh, to come out and attack him. Yeah. So she took a Chinese knife, and she went after him for a while. 
and the work was just as perfect. Yeah. And, and it just blew my mind that you could spontaneously create work that was so perfect, hmm. um, with such skill and relaxation. And he'd be like chatting and making jokes the whole time too. You yeah. know, it wasn't even like it was mentally taxing to him. And, and so that really, um, that really impressed me. Um, uh, I tried Michael's class too. Yeah. And without a doubt, you could see the mastery that Michael had, but mm. it was at such a level that it was incomprehensible to me. Like sure. It was inaccessible. Yeah. Yeah. So after seeing the two of them, uh, I decided I was going to hit every one of Vladimir's classes for the rest of the weekend <laughs> and, um, and then hit other Aikido classes when he wasn't teaching. Mm. Um, so that was a really interesting experience. And at the end of the seminar, you know, they announced that they have uh, all these videos and DVDs. Sure. Well, I think they were probably VHSs at the time. Yeah. And um, you could buy like a box set. So I was like, that's what I want. That's okay. what I want for my birthday. So um, <laughs> a couple months later, I put in an order for like their 20 or 25 tape set. Yeah. And uh, kind of started watching those. Senior Sistema Instructor Emmanuel Manolakakis will be coming to Durham, North Carolina the weekend of January the 26th and 27th, 2019 for a two-day in-depth look at deep Sistema principles entitled Sistema Explorations Part 1. This seminar is currently priced at $240 for both days or $150 for one day only. Certified Sistema Instructors receive an additional 10% discount. The seminar is now close to sold out with less than 10 spots remaining. So don't delay, register online today at ncsistema.com events. And if you heard our podcast episode with Vali Majd of Roots Dojo British Columbia, you may have been intrigued by the idea of their intensive Sistema internships. Well, Roots Dojo is now taking applicants for the winter intensive at their secluded location on Denman Island, British Columbia. This is a unique opportunity to train twice a day, five days a week, under the watchful eye of Vali and his team. You can join for the full three months or just drop in for a week. For more info, check www.rootsdojo.com. Many thanks. So unfortunately, my students got the my early experimentation uh, results. Uh, I, I kind of tried some things on them that I was watching in the videos. So you just brought those ideas into the Aikido classes without specifically would, saying you were teaching system. You kind of drip fed, drip fed some ideas. In. I would uh, kind of chat about it with people. Um, and then I'd be like, hey, you want to stay after class? And maybe we could try a couple of things out. Okay. Yeah. So we'd like, try punching each other. And I, yeah. like, I shuddered to think of how poorly I was hitting people at the time and, <laughs> yeah. and what they endured. Um, but we tried things out and then people were curious enough that, that uh, I got like a small group, maybe half a dozen of us together yeah. and we would watch a little bit of the video and then we would try the drills yeah. and kind of go back and, and forth like that for a while. Um, and then uh, a few months after that, I, I heard about a seminar hmm. with Vladimir. And so I went out to, I think, Dallas um, and uh, attended a seminar with him. Had a fantastic time. It was like, you know, by the the end of the seminar, I was standing there in a group of three, and we were all punching each other in the head, and yeah. just smiling and laughing the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to me that, uh, you know, you, you could find such joy in what seemed like a violent and brutal uh, exercise, but it, it was really a, a good time. And mm. um, Sonny Pazikas was there. I had to tour the groin out of my training pants mm -hmm. and somebody was like, Oh, Sonny's got some stuff like some Russian surplus things that he sells. You should go talk to him. So mm -hmm. I was bought some pants off of him and he was asking me where I trained. And I said, you know, I'm just trying to kind of figuring out things on my own out in San Diego. And he's like, Oh, well, you know, do you, 
do you know Ken Good? And I was like, no, I've, I've never heard the name. He mm-hmm. said, oh, well, he's out there. You need to, to look him up. So okay. he gave me Ken's phone number. And as soon as I got back to San Diego, I, I gave him up a call. Yeah. So was, was Ken teaching Sistema formally at that time? Or was he kind of doing, because he was mostly Navy SEAL combatives and stuff like that, right? Was he like, a, was he active at that time? Or he was um, teaching? Yeah, he wasn't uh, doing any teaching at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd, uh, Ken had a background uh, of various martial arts. Yeah. Um, and he'd spent some time with James Williams and, and Vladimir uh, learning some Sistema. So we had a, a, a nice lunch, talked about things, and Ken agreed to start teaching some classes at uh, my school. At your school? Okay, yeah. yeah. So we started up a Saturday class with Ken, and uh, he taught us Sistema. And um, then... How was that received to, by your like regular students today? Because some of them presumably have been playing about with you on this kind of stuff, but how was it to do yeah. like a full Sistema class? On, on it was, yeah. I, I think it was challenging to everybody, but uh, really yeah. enjoyable. Uh, there's a lot of overlap between Aikido and Sistema, which is kind of a whole big topic of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but people enjoyed it, and, and it also brought in people uh, just from the community in general. And, you know, he had some friends uh, that he knew from... Uh, the law enforcement and military that would come along mm. uh, and, and join in as well. Um, and so, you know, it was a small group in the beginning. The training in the beginning was uh, vigorous. Mm. You know, it, it was uh, very hands-on. So I learned a lot of important lessons quickly. Uh, Payne was a great teacher, as Constantine always says. Yeah. And um, so, you know, that went on for a while. Uh, Ken knew Martin. And he invited Martin to come down. And so Martin would come down every three weeks and teach for a day. Mm. So that was a great experience, getting to see uh, Martin a lot and then Ken. Yeah. And and so uh, it was a good uh, opportunity for both Ken and I to kind of pick up things from Martin. And and we would kind of get the groups together. Every once in a while, we would go up there and and train uh, in Orange County um, with some of the people in in that area. And... uh, and, you know, after a while, I started feeling like one day of Sistema wasn't enough for me. Yeah. So um, I had room in the schedule to add a couple classes. And so I started a couple, two weeknight classes for Sistema. And I didn't really teach so much as I just picked a drill from the Saturday class that Ken had done. Yeah. And we would just do that for like an hour. Okay. So yeah. I was like, oh, Ken showed this one thing with groundwork. Let's mm. just do that for an hour. And yeah. so... You know, I led those for uh, months and then continued to go to seminars anytime I could, hmm. learn things from Vladimir, continue to see Martin, pick up things from him. Yeah. And over time, I, it kind of grew into classes that I actually taught, which, you know, my new material or my own material in too. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's that's how you kind of got to know Martin and ended up in just starring in some of his uh, Sistema <laughs> DVDs, right? I was exactly. going to get quite a lot and they moving in striking ones. So. I did, yeah. <laughs> People are would recognize me at seminars from time to time. They're like, yeah. I know you from somewhere. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of like muscular looking guys with shaved heads. So. And they're like, no, no, I know you. And, and then they come back to me like later, like you're from Martin's video. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Right. Yeah, that's right. You're like, great. I'm the celebrity guy gets punched. That's great. Exactly. Yeah, no, I just felt like they could punch me extra hard because they'd watch Martin do it. There you go. Well, now you paint it forward. So that's good. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. People, so. yeah share. <laughs> Grand. So, so you mentioned, um, you felt that there were parallels, um, like parallels between Aikido and Sistema, and we've talked quite a bit about this, you know, um, both yeah. on the mat and in the pub and other places like that as well. And so, what? Um, first of all, what um, what gaps did you see 
um, in your own training that you felt that Sistema kind of filled or, or moved into? And then what things did you feel like reinforced each other between Sistema and Aikido? What, what about Sistema helped your Aikido and what about Aikido helped Sistema? Yeah. Um, well, before I talk about Aikido, just a caveat that there are many different like line lineages of Aikido sure. and yeah. people train in different ways. And yeah. anytime I've opened my mouth about anything, someone has come along and said, yeah, yeah but at my school we do that. Sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's just martial arts in general, I think. It's like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, there are some important concepts in Aikido. Uh, breath is talked about a lot. Koku. Mm. Um, it's kind of, I mean, there's an entire set of throws, koku, nages, uh, mm. breath throws. Mm -hmm. And and there's a lot of um, discussion about, like, center power and breath power. Yeah. But um, Aikido, in my experience of it and the people that I, I've trained under, didn't have a structure for really teaching the breathing. It yeah. was just something you would try to figure out through the training and through the practice. It's supposed to be like an emergent property almost of like keep training and you'll get kokyu bioku. Yes. Right? You get the power eventually. And like, okay, I'm waiting for it. You know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so that's one aspect um, that I, I felt like this is some training really filled for me was mm. it, it had a very very clear methodology for developing breath work mm. and then applying that breath work physically, and so. It gave me a really deeper understanding of the Aikido work um, yeah. through the lens of system. Hmm. And, and another one of the really uh, important parts, uh, there's the concept of a temi in Aikido, which is uh, kind of a distracting strike or a, a softening strike, maybe a strike to, to break structure or balance. Yeah. Um, but it, it's always looked at as like, well, this is a thing you, you could throw in, yeah. but, but it's not heavily uh, explored. Yeah, Aikido emphasized too much. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and without that, I feel that the context of a lot of the Aikido work is lost. Yeah, because you know you can learn a technique and and you can become proficient at it without fully understanding the purpose of it and how yeah. it fits into conflict. Yeah, and uh, so the expanding the work, kind of the breadth of work in Sistema, the work against legs, the work with feet, um, the striking. Uh, it filled in a lot of the context for me. Like, oh, this is why you need to stand in this particular way when you do this particular joint lock. Sure. Or yeah. when you throw, you need to finish in this particular way. And it's because there are all these opportunities and openings uh, that someone with other skill could take advantage of. Yeah. But uh, but it's not apparent if you haven't studied other things. And, mm. and, and I think that it kind of goes back. Uh, my understanding of the early days of Aikido was that you already had a black belt and a letter of recommendation from an instructor in a different art hmm. um, before you were allowed to, to join into the Aikido classes. Hmm. So you would already be proficient in a striking art like sure. karate or, or one of the more traditional jiu-jitsus yeah. um, before you came walked into the door. Hmm. And so these people who came into Aikido, they already knew how to punch and they sure. already knew how to break limbs and, yeah. and, and do a lot of this work. And the Aikido was something that was built on top of that. 
Yeah, I mean, the IQ itself was like an, an emergent kind of top level skill within Daytor Jiu Jitsu, right? As right. I understand it came through. So it's like after you've trained all these techniques and you understand how to strike and how to throw and how to break things, then you learn this uh, idea of kind of using minimal force and understanding the person's whole biomechanic and how they're coming at you and how to, you know, imbue the whole thing with breath and all that kind of stuff. So, and basically, Oyashiba eventually kind of skimmed the top of the coffee and sort of said, well, this is actually all that's important, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> basically, that's what he kind of said he took that side and sort of said maybe, maybe you don't need the other stuff so let's say six techniques let's do six right, right. <laughs> and then three throws or something and that's actually all you really need to build up the you know the idea and then let's not mess around too long doing the techniques this is really what we're working towards and um like clearly the like clearly he worked with that and his direct students did but there's i always got the sense that the further removed you got from that pre-war aikido that mm -hmm. pre-war mm -hmm. jujitsu the kind of stuff like that, just like yeah there's not a lot of you know, um, there's not a lot of the, the jitsu in it anymore. Right. Do you know what I mean? The actual technique has been lost in some ways. And so in, in people's rush to try and get the superpowers, you know, the blending and the and the ability to kind of have perfect timing and all those kinds of things, sometimes they would neglect some details. And striking for me was a big one. Um, mm -hmm. I remember I trained, you know, a good few years in Scotland in Aikido and then went to Japan. It was, you know, the Iwama Dojo. I was there for a couple of years. Um, and there was one guy at the Iwama Dojo who was also like a, you know, uh, multi-black belt in, uh, in karate and had no qualms about telling you about that every single time <laughs> he trained with them right? and he was always every single time he did a technique and you'd like you initiate the movement and then you would do like you know, I'd do my half-hearted attempt and he'd be like oh there right. it is and then you go into the next thing he would be like no you have to do this or I'm going to hit you yeah. and he would always like keep hitting you every time if you didn't do a good what he said was a good attempt yeah. uh, and over time I learned positions within the techniques that would be like a good attempt like this will rock his chin back and take his posture this way or this will you know, fold his structure in some way if you hit with the edge of the hand. Mm -hmm. But we didn't ever at any point like get taught like here's how you hit somebody with the edge of the hand. Here's right. how you punch somebody in the face. We didn't do anything to like condition our like our hands or our limbs to to get ready for that process. So it, it was just something that was associated with one technique. Like yeah. when I do this technique, this is where the hand flashes out, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't like a multifaceted. Well, I could hit you from anywhere at any time. You know mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And it seemed like. Um, because that wasn't taught, there was a whole generation of people who weren't absorbing that, and maybe it was getting diluted the further it got away from Ayashiba like, and the Iwama. You know, yeah. like, that that was my in, uh, impression of it. So it's not that the, the Aikido didn't contain those things; it's just that they weren't being emphasized anymore. And, yeah. and when I was there as well, there was a huge, you know, um, Saito Sensei was just a stickler about weapons are critical. Like, or Sensei said, if you don't understand how to use a sword, um, how to stand with a sword, and just have power through the middle of your line, and you know, keep your hands in your center. Um, then you can't do Aikido and if you don't understand Joe then you don't understand how to you know relax and keep your upper body together and all that kind of stuff so without that triangle of studying um, the sword the staff and the unarmed you can't really progress in the Taijutsu and the unarmed part of it um, and there was a big schism at that time and mm -hmm. I, I think it was um not um, the founder's son, but his grandson, Morate Yashiba, mm -hmm. um, at that point said, it's not really important to do weapons and kind of stopped teaching them uh, yeah. the homage. And that was the point at which Saito Sensei said, all right, they're dead to me. Now yeah. we're done. Yeah. Right? And he kind yeah. of formed, and it became kind of a separate thing. And, and that, again, to me, became a symptom of some sort of softening over time and mm -hmm. some dilution of what the teachings were. And, mm -hmm. and like you said, it's a different schools emphasize it, right? You know, some schools sure. and, and so continue to train weapons and they continue to emphasize atemi and do things like that. And, yeah. um, and Iwamaru typically, and, and, and Ikeda Sensei was really renowned as well by the one of the people that I knew mm -hmm. um, was regarded as somebody who was yeah they're keeping it real right. you know what I mean yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff. it's not to say other people's stuff wasn't real right. um, but there's definitely there's a there's a host of interpretations out there and the further yeah. you get away from the, the the root of the of the tree the trunk of the tree the more you have the capacity I think to 
to um, delude yourself that you're doing the real thing mm -hmm. and, and you might be going through the motions. And, mm -hmm. and maybe the same is true with Sistema to an extent. You know, you could, you could quite easily go through the motions if you didn't have an instructor who kept checking in yeah. with the source, right? Yeah. Um, and started just to think if he knew what was going on, he's like, I know how to strike, I've done it before, right? <laughs> and just kind of not understand what it is they're doing and why, you know? So I think there's that danger in every martial art, I think, but, um, but that's something I definitely experienced in my time. Yeah, I, I think when you look at Sistema, and you look at the senior instructors, I mean, all, the vast majority of them have what uh, deep backgrounds in other arts before they came to, to Sistema. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Ken Poe, you know, with uh, Martin Wheeler, yeah. Vladimir was a high-level competitive uh, karate yeah. uh, a practitioner, uh, you know. Most people have done sambo, like a lot of the yeah, Russians sambo, sambo yeah. combat sambo. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, uh, or people coming from Aikido too, so. Yeah. Um, you know, people come into to Sistema and uh, it, it's very difficult not to, to form some level of amalgamation between your background and, sure. and Sistema yeah. and to, to pass some bit of that on to your students too. Yeah. And um, I think over time that, that tends to kind of drift things in separate directions. But, but as you say, having uh, people checking in regularly or yeah. uh, especially like large events like the summer camps where people can kind of come together yeah it, it, it gives you the ability to kind of bring things back and, mm. and you know that was something that we've been trying to do with the aikido bridge seminar mm. um over the years is have the idea that it's a multi-organizational seminar so yeah. we have uh, birankai and uh you know tamiki and uh asu and uh, shibokukai and all these different organizations and we all come together for a week and train together yeah with the idea that any particular person might have some parts of it. Sure. And if we get everybody together, then hopefully we can kind of reassemble the whole of it. Um, yeah. And there's, there's also, I mean, and also to almost completely negate what I just said as well. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people can get too much on this idea of like, well, there's the pure lineage and there's the, where yeah. it comes from, the further away you get this, it's automatically going to get worse. Um, but that's not necessarily true. Sometimes people, people create new things, right? In their, yeah. in their interpretations of what's going on and they'll put things together and, mm -hmm. and come up even with things that maybe, you know, the founders years ago didn't quite come up with. So, and in some ways like that, you know, there's some forms of like Tai Chi and Chinese internal martial art that have mm -hmm. become more practical and more solid over time. Yeah. MMA now is a modern martial arts, a modern sport, whatever you think of it, is is way more than it was like during the UFC in the nineties, right? Yeah. It, it was it was a laughable you know, stuck together version of like different bits of martial arts then. And now when people train in MMA, it's a, it's a thing of itself. It's not just gluing together wrestling and kickboxing and the mm -hmm. bit of jujitsu. It's like they're training the transitions and the gaps and it has its own kind of character and flavor to it. Right. And, and it's undeniably powerful and effective, you know, so you, yeah. you have to respect that sometimes people can improve things as well as like dilute things <laughs> with their interpretations. And sometimes things have to evolve as well. And they have to get kind of, yeah. they have to stay in the context of the times that you're going to use them as well. And, um, and I think I've seen that with um, some Aikido instructors who like to imbue their classes like, okay, this is the traditional way of doing it. And here's some things that I've seen from Sistema or some mm -hmm. things I've seen from Kali or, mm -hmm. you know, wherever it's going to be. And they're like, let's just play about with how these things stick together and uh, let's see if it improves things or takes things away. And, yeah. and at the end of the day, the proof is in the pudding. Like if the thing works, then great. And if it doesn't work at all and, you know, and you're just going through the motions, then maybe you haven't improved it by trying to change it. Right. But that doesn't, that's not to say we shouldn't try to explore. Right? Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, 
it should be an evolving thing, you know, mm. with growth. Uh, I, I, there are some lineages that have the idea of maintaining a museum copy of the sure. art as they learned it. Yeah, and and you can just see as every level or every generation of student comes through there, it gets gets diluted more and and more is lost because mm. you just it's very difficult to learn everything that your teacher knows. Sure. Um, you lose some fidelity automatically, like carbon copies. Like, yeah. And w without the ability to kind of uh, bring in from the outside and, and continue evolving, then, mm. then it, it dies a slow death. But, yeah. um, you know, with Aikido, we have instructors like you. You have your background in neuroscience mm. uh, that you bring into it. Um, you know, I was, went to college for physics. Um, yeah. You know, you have people with military backgrounds and, yeah. and who bring a whole, like Ken Good. I mean, he's like, he's... He's a dangerous dude uh, right. <laughs> with a, a gun or anything sharp or pointy. Right. Um, and, and so, I, you know, I learned things from him that I, I haven't seen in other places that I regularly use and, yeah. you know, the, and teach to some of the people here. Yeah. Know, and I'm like, oh, you know, that's a Ken Good thing. And right. Now yeah. they know it as a Jeff thing. So, right. you know. Yeah. You just pass, play that off like you made it up. It's like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. So, um, so how is your, how is your conception of, System have changed in the in the time that you've been training, right? So initially, maybe it looked one way. I mean, initially, you said it looks crazy. People are punching each other in the face, and you're like, "Wait, this is fun, mm -hmm. and you can do this without getting horribly maimed, or necessarily." Yeah. Um, and then over time, you put in more and more time, trained with a lot of different instructors, and just you know matured and gained age and just, yeah. you know, perspective and context and things that happened to you in life. You had a daughter, you mm -hmm. know, all those kinds of things. And how how do you feel? your idea of what Sistema is and what it does has changed over that time? I know it's a big question, but sure. are there any kind of things that really stick out to you? Like, oh, I had that completely wrong, or now it just means something else to you? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, to, to kind of start that with an anecdote, um, you know, when you go to like a Sistema seminar and, and see someone like Michael, most of the people there have some experience with Sistema, or, you know, they're there for the Sistema. Hmm. Um, a few years before... I left San Diego. There was a joint Aikido uh, Sistema seminar in Moscow. Mm. So Aikido Sensei and uh, Mikel were co-teaching a seminar, and uh, and I got uh, invited by one of my students to to go along to that. And so it was really interesting because y you had these two separate groups who were kind of uh, playing around in each other's worlds mm. in a way that they hadn't before. And in watching the Aikido people experiencing Michael's classes, uh, I got to see a little bit of my earlier preconceptions hmm. and, and feelings and, and um, responses to it in them. Yeah. And, and then uh, vice versa, um, getting to see them kind of play with the Aikido people, sure. you, you'd see the same thing as well. And hmm. so, um, you know, in the beginning, for me, it was a very, it was a physical thing. Yeah. you know, a physical art. And, and that was what drew me to it. Um, you just seeing the work that Vladimir did. And so, you know, learning to strike, learning to move in a Sistema way, kind of the breadth of Sistema work, the, the technique of it was interesting. Hmm. But um, the things that I really felt, like my first phase of growth was kind of going through a period of disconnecting myself from... Uh, success in the way of like exploring learning through losing mm. with my partners and kind of uh, using the minimal amount of something mm. and, and finding where that line was. 
And so I, I went through a, a phase of that, that that I really felt like I grew a lot in because mm. it, I, the uh, internal state kind of came out of that a little bit. Mm. The kind of uh, abandonment of um, the need to, to kind of come out of a confrontation on top. Yeah. Because, you know, the Japanese arts have this concept too, uh, especially from the sword uh, work where if you go into a sword fight and you're trying to win and you're trying to live, yeah. then you're holding something back sure. that might be the, the key to success. You're too frightened of losing and taking risks kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And that is the thing that leads you to losing, yeah. that, that attachment to, to surviving in life. And if mm. you can just give yourself up to it and say, I'm going to go into this confrontation and I'm going to die mm. and I'm okay, yeah. then that gives you the freedom to, to actually win and, yeah. and to come out on top. And mm. so, you know, that, that was something that really system helped to build in me that, mm. that feeling of uh, having a calm and relaxed internal state. And, and so a lot of came out of that and, and it really gave me an appreciation for the psychological, psychological aspects of Sistema. Mm. And so, you know, uh, obviously like Constantine's uh, lectures and his work, there's such a wealth in there. And, yeah. and then looking at Vladimir's work or the things that Michael would say through that lens um, added a lot of, uh, depth in my practice in all the arts. Right, right. So do you think you'll still be practicing Sistema and Aikido in like another 20 years time when you're like 60, 70? Do you, or do you feel like you, the way that you practice or that your reasons for practice will change a little bit? Um, so I remember a time when, you know, especially when I was living in Japan and I was like, oh, I'll never stop training this my whole life. I'm going to get a tattoo with Aikido and that sort of <laughs> stuff. And now I think to myself, like, eh, am I still going to be doing that when I'm 70? I still right. have an interest in Aikido and I love it as not. Yeah. But I don't think I'm going to be like letting people, you know, tweak my wrist around and throw myself like too much through the air when I'm 70 just because I get more concerned about the ability to maintain upright posture and keep walking and get up and down off the toilet. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> when yeah, 70, exactly. all that kind of stuff, right? And um, But with Sistema, I, I can see myself see myself i think training mm -hmm. in some some way until uh, until i can't you know as, as long as i can because there's so much in there that's not just fighting you yeah. know like um or um or practicing those combat drills right mm -hmm. um, but do you do you see yourself continuing with it i mean no it's a big question you don't know what's going to happen in 20 years sure. still, so. yeah i mean in, in both arts and, and that's one way and that uh, the system has kind of influenced my aikido is mm. that it's made me um maybe less physical in the work okay um mm. And it's brought a, a health to me that, that uh, you know, the thousands and thousands of throws and falls and, and wrist locks, um, you know, it, it kind of builds up some damage in you over time. Mm -hmm. And the lessons of relaxation and breath work and movement from Sistema has brought my health back to where I can do the Aikido work that I used to do. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not tired after a day of it. And I don't go home with, like, injuries and yeah. and. and old ligaments and yeah and bruises so it's been um i, I think it's given me like the hope that uh i could have a longevity of martial arts practice mm. and, and health at the same time yeah um but kind of combined with that also just the feeling that it, it's a, a very long path and that i'm not racing towards the finish of it mm. and so you know as i said in my early days of Aikido, I was training like 17 hours a week, mm. you know, and now, uh, not so much, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but if it's in well with my life and it's a comfortable part of it. And I think for longevity, that has to be a, a big, 
um, aspect. I, I see mm. beginners come in and they're just on fire and they love it and they want to throw themselves in. And, mm. Sometimes and I, they burn out kind of soon. They do. Yeah. Often mm. they do. And yeah. I, when I see that, I, I try to very like encourage them, mm. but caution them a little bit about, you know, burning the, the fire a little too strongly mm. and, and leaving a little fuel for later. Mm. Um, and, and I think that longevity really has to come from making it a comfortable part of your life mm. and not, uh, you know, it, like I like to go to seminars. I love training with people, but I, I have my other things. And, and I, I think that when you look at something like uh, a martial art, people come into it often with the idea of self-defense, yeah. you know, uh, or uh, somehow improving their life. And it can be easy to do too much of a good thing it, to the extent that it's not good for your life. Right? Yeah. If yeah. you don't have your health as one of your primary concerns, like if, if you come out of class broken, yeah, then are you really learning self-defense? Sure, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of head Self-attack. Yourself. Exactly, self-attack, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Sisema is wonderful for uh, developing that. And you see that in the Aikido uh, masters uh, as they get older. Yeah. Um, the way that they train is, is much different than the, the, uh, the lessons um, that you're given as a beginning student. Sure, yeah. So if you had a, kind of one piece of advice to offer um, to like a beginning student or even like a continuing experienced system student as they go through the kind of their training, like one might be, you know, don't burn all the fuel too quickly and like flash and burn out and that kind of stuff. Is there, is there anything else, any like little gem that you'd like to hand off to people listening to this or maybe only like a couple of years into their journey? Something you've learned that you wish you knew? Well, really, that it's a process, um, and the process is the sistema. There's not a goal. There's always something more to learn. Mm. Um, you know, there's always new challenges, um, and you know, and your eyes change as you practice too. So, the way that you see yourself as a beginner, and the way you see yourself as you get more experience, the, those ch- grow. That that grows along with your skill level. So you'll always look at yourself, hopefully in a somewhat critical way mm-hmm. because you have the ability to see the new flaws that you didn't see before yeah. while you fix the old flaws through your practice. And so mm-hmm. just accept that, that, uh, that that's just part of the journey and it's, it's, it's um, part of what makes it uh, rewarding. Worthwhile. Yeah, yeah definitely. Brilliant. Sounds like good advice to me. Well, thanks very much, Jeff. Cheers. And uh, I'm looking forward to many more years of training uh, with you and under you and uh, being on the end of your fist and vice versa, <laughs> different kind of ways. Uh, but yeah, I uh, will we'll, uh, maybe resume this chat at some point again in the future. Great. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Sistema, please visit us online at www.ncsistema.com. Thank you.